Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening whenever you're listening, and welcome to Tri-State at the Plate. I'm your host, Andy Burdick, and I'm excited to be bringing you part two of our Tri-State Trade Deadline Spectacular, in which we'll be talking about the trade deadline that was for the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is the follow-up to part one, in which Bob, Jason, and I talk about the Cleveland Indians trade deadline. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy the trade deadline talk for the 2016 Pittsburgh Pirates. All right, you guys, you guys ready for this? I gotta, uh, just this day. I'm glad there was not a blood pressure cuff on uh, today, as various things were happening. I was actually at my <laughs> Papa Top. I was actually at my son's pediatrician today, and I thought about having her strap one on just to make sure I wasn't gonna die of a heart attack in the middle of this trade deadline. Because we went, we went to the doctor. Our doctor appointment was at four today, so I'm sitting in the uh... office, my legs bouncing up and down. I'm checking my phone, even though there's a sign that says, please turn off your cell phones. I'm like, well, today I can't, so sorry. And, uh, man, this trade deadline. So we got we to gotta back this trade deadline up a little bit. And, uh, and uh, I, like, the whole Pirates trade deadline started a few days ago when they dealt uh, fan-favorite reliever Mark Melanson to the Nationals. This was, like, a tough trade on, like, a personal level because Mark Melanson's been a big part of the Pirates transformation uh, to going from this like perpetually bad club to this perpetually successful club. And Melanson kind of embodied everything that, that Pittsburgh fans love in a player. You know, he's gritty. He doesn't throw hard, but he comes out and he just gives you his all every time. And he started the shark tank and he's got a cool nickname and he led the team shaving all their heads in the bullpen and so from from that aspect that was like a that that was the tough part of the trade from like a purely baseball aspect i think if you understand how baseball functions you get that this trade like had to happen there's like the, there's the, if this trade didn't happen you would think that neil huntington was not doing his job you know mark melanson more on that later <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like melanson's a free agent at the end of this year he is making, I, I, well, I want to say like $12 million off the top of my head this year through arbitration. I mean, he's, he's making a ton of money uh, this year. So Pittsburgh, you know, at the end of the year would have an option to extend him a qualifying offer, which at this point, what's a qualifying offer in baseball, like $16.5 million or something like that. So you're going to yeah, say like, I think it's going to be 17 next year. Yeah. Like 11% of Pittsburgh's payroll is going to be tied up in a guy that throws 70 innings. Like you can't do that. So there's no way Pittsburgh would be able to offer him the qualifying offer because what if he took it? <laughs> then then you're going to be in big trouble. So, yeah. I mean, I get I get why the trade has to happen. And so, like, there was that second where I was sad because I love Mark Melanson, and he's been one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. And the thing about it, like, nobody talked about how great Mark Melanson had been except for, I think, people that see him pitch every day because he's not a Raldis Chapman or Andrew Miller or this you know, Dylan Batances, who comes in and throws like 100 miles an hour and strikes out everybody. You know, he has a K rate under nine as a, you know, high leverage relief pitcher in baseball. Like it's it's kind of almost like Greg Maddox at the end of his career, like where how are you the best starting pitcher in baseball and you throw 89 miles an hour? You know what I mean? It's kind of like that. <laughs> but so so they had to deal Mark Melanson. I get that. You trade Mark Melanson to a team that, you know, needs an upgrade. So he goes to the Nationals. Now, 
part of the problem I think Pirates fans had with this Mark Melanson trade was that like just a couple days before this trade, Araldus Chapman was traded, <laughs> and the return on Araldus Chapman was comical, wasn't it? Like you you saw that return for two months of Araldus Chapman, and the Yankees <laughs> netted two top 100 prospects, and then some. For yep. two months of Chapman? Like, I don't care how good you are as a relief pitcher. Like, That's relief... been a theme the whole deadline, too. Yeah, it's nuts. And again, going like going back to my theory that Brian Cashman is a witch, <laughs> clearly, he just rebuilt his whole farm system trading Araldus Chapman and Andrew Miller. Guys that are going to throw 40 innings combined the rest of the year. It's nuts. So I think Pirates fans saw that Chapman trade, and they're like, whoa, we're going to land Lucas Giolito. <laughs> Right? And in my head, I'm like... Well, that's pretty much what you told me Saturday morning. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, we should land Lucas Giolito. I just... <laughs> like, my my next-level conspiracy theory was you don't think Josh Bell is going to be a first baseman. You just don't, or else you would have him up by now. Because clearly he's an upgrade over John Jaso at first base. So you don't think Josh Bell is going to be a first baseman. Package him together with Mark Melanson and fix an area of need that your team has, which is starting pitcher. And if the Nationals wanted a relief pitcher that badly, Dusty, because you know Dusty Baker is like nagging that front office. Was it Mike Rizzo? Is that their GM now? Uh, yeah. Yes. You know, you know, he's just nagging that front office. You guys got to get me a good closer. Pavel Bond's not doing this thing. And the Nationals, I think the Nationals would have dealt Giolito if you put together a package because they were already offering him for Andrew Miller. And so that was my next level conspiracy. Package Josh Bell, Mark Melanson, return Giolito and you know, whatever else you get back. Didn't come to fruition. But <laughs> what quite. we what we did get from Mark Melanson was two relief pitchers. And I'll talk about this in a second, but we <laughs> we got a guy who could probably very soon be a high leverage relief pitcher uh, with Felipe Rivero, uh, who came back. And we got a low-level pitching prospect, Taylor Hearn, who I think was assigned to I want to say Bradenton, but I don't have it pulled up here. He was he was somewhere in a a ball. I don't know if it was high A or or lower, but um, so Taylor Hearn's a ways off. Um, Pittsburgh also sent five hundred thousand dollars to defer what was the remainder of Mark Melanson's contract as well. Um, so oh, Melanson's on nine point six uh, five million dollar salary this year. So whatever the balance of that contract was. Um, the interesting thing about this trade, I guess when you look at the nationals too, is since Melanson was traded, uh, you know, this late in the season, he's not eligible to receive a qualifying offer for the nationals. Uh, right. So he immediately just becomes a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, and I'm curious to see what he nets, uh, when he signs, uh, as a free agent this off season, but for Pittsburgh, and I, I kind of want to hear what you guys think about this trade in a minute, but for Pittsburgh, I really think actually this trade Definitely doesn't hurt their bullpen at all when you look at the the reliever chain and and how everything plays out. You know, just bumping Watson into the ninth inning, which they're you know they've already said they're going to make him their closer. Um, so you know you move Neftali Feliz into the eighth, and then Ronaldo or uh, Felipe Rivero, they've already had pitching like from the seventh <laughs> the seventh inning yesterday. He was already out there throwing. So I, I don't think this trade really, from a performance standpoint, when you talk about the 20 innings that Mark Melanson was going to throw at the end of this year relative to the 20 innings that Felipe Rivero throws, I don't think you're going to see a, a statistical difference that's 
going to affect the Pirates' ability to win or lose games at all, really. Now, as non-Pirates fans, you know, you, yeah, I guess I shouldn't say you're not Pirates fans. As fans who the Pirates are not your primary team that you follow, how did you feel about the the Mark Melanson trade, Bob? I actually liked it. Yeah, I for, thought it was a great trade, right? For the most part. I mean, in this crazy relief pitcher market, I mean, what was it the Giants sent their top pitcher at Bickford to Milwaukee for Will Smith? I thought, wow. Plus, you already have Chapman and Miller. And I, I, to me, it's just crazy. But the guys in return, you know, Rivero looks like he has a strong pedigree, probably will have success. Left hand arm and the bullpen. I, I says I benefit. The other guy was named Hearn. He said, "Yeah, Taylor Hearn." He seems like he has some promise. They're both read, left-handed pitchers, and they both yeah. throw in the upper nineties. Uh, I read that Hearn. I think already has. They said that basically three solid pitches he can throw. So that would say developmentally, he's probably where he needs to be, or maybe a little bit ahead, which would be po- positive also. I, I don't. To me, they got something. You know, for a guy they're probably going to lose anyway. Right. They got two lefties, one of which, you know, they have um, Felipe Rivero under control for five years. Taylor Hearn, they have control, you know, until they bring him up, and then, you know, his clock starts then. <laughs> Left-handed guys that can throw in the high 90s can become very important cogs in your bullpen, bullpen very quickly. Right. Jason, what do you think about the deal as far as the Melanson return? Well, it went through on Saturday, right? Was it Saturday it went through? Yes, yeah. So we had just, I had just seen you that morning, and you had pitched this nonsense about Lucas Giolito. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, though, when I saw that, I was like, oh, there, there he goes. Melanson's gone. And that sounds, that sounds pretty good. You, you know what I mean? It's like, that seems about right. Like, uh, I did not have a uh, negative reaction to the return. I was intrigued by several of the arms, and I agree that I don't think really in the short term it really matters, right? Which is what makes the return even better. Right, yeah. There's no statistical difference. I... Like, we're going to have to go look at this at the end of the year just so I can confirm. But at the end of the year, there's going to be zero impact that Felipe Rivero has on our lineup that's going to negatively impact Pittsburgh's win-loss record. Um, yeah, I, you know, he's already come in. Like I said, he threw a shutout inning for us. Um, I think he walked a guy. He gave up a hit, but he, you know, struck out two guys like he was throwing like 97 miles an hour from the left-hand side of the plate. Like, I think this could be a great pickup for, for Pittsburgh when you consider the five years of control that you're going to have left of Felipe Rivero relative to Mark Melanson walking at the end of the year, which was what was going to happen. Um, and then, you know, Taylor Hearn will be that guy to keep an eye on. And I was very, you know, I'm, I'm very pro Neil Huntington. Like I think Neil Huntington has done an amazing job with very limited resources in Pittsburgh. And, when people were kind of bashing this trade, my response was, do you remember how we ended up with Mark Melanson, one of the best relief pitchers in baseball for the last, you know, three years? We traded Joel Hanrahan to the Boston Red Sox 
for Mark Melanson, who had been just tattooed that year in Boston. You know, his ERA was like six and a half or something ridiculous like that. And he's striking out seven batters per nine. And we turned Mark Melanson into <laughs> Jason Greeley's setup man. And then we you know, traded Jason Greeley and sent Mark Melanson in the ninth. Like the relief pitching, I feel like Pittsburgh's got a pretty good handle on. I agree. Now, the next couple this trades. This isn't that... what you really want to talk no. about. So no. Come on. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> the next couple trades. This is where. This is this is why we need that other beer because, oh boy, these next couple trades they're tough to stomach. So, so again, very positive about Neil Huntington, which is why when he traded Neil Walker for Jonathan Nice, uh, you know, before the season started, I was okay with it. You know, Neil Walker was uh, nearing the end of his uh, time in Pittsburgh. He had two what two years left of arbitration, I think. Um, so, you know, like Neil Walker was going to become a free agent because Pittsburgh wasn't going to pay him money that the open market was going to dictate for a, a player of his caliber, that a guy that hits as many home runs, I should say, as Neil Walker does um, as a, a second baseman. And Jonathan Neese's velocity had been down, and that was like the the red flag that really kind of stood out. But, you know, like it's it's hard to 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 discredit all of the work that Neil Huntington has done and all the, the pitchers that they've managed to turn around in Pittsburgh. So... I was kind of on board with I was I was 100% on board with the Jonathan Neese trade. Jonathan Neese was acquired <laughs> from the New York Mets for Neil Walker, and, and that was the high point. <laughs> and at this trade deadline, was reacquired by the Mets for lefty reliever Antonio Bastardo, who some of you might remember from our bullpen last year, because Bastardo was they, in our bullpen last year. I don't know why the Mets wanted him back. I it's got to be like one of those buddy buddy front office things where they're like, yeah. hey, come on, look at what you guys gave us. <laughs> and I the thing about it and the thing I don't like, I'm very pro not having Jonathan Neese throwing pitches for Pittsburgh anymore. That's, I think, a generally speaking, good thing. But <laughs> like you're going to have the rest of whatever this year was with Jonathan Neese. So now you've traded for Antonio Bastardo, who was good in Pittsburgh last year, and they deployed him very effectively. Um, but he's under contract through next season and he, Bastardo's $6.5 million next season. That's like two thirds of what Mark Melanson is making this season. So instead of being out from this just terrible deal that you made for Jonathan Neese, which we already talked about how Neil Huntington is very adamant about how bad of a deal he made, uh, very publicly, but yeah, now, so now you're stuck with Bastardo next year. Which, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a good thing, I guess. Like, maybe... I mean, clearly, I guess you want Bastardo next year. Or maybe, clearly, you just really didn't want Jonathan Nice this year. I don't know. Which is which. But th this trade, to me, oh, just it makes my stomach turn, guys. I, <laughs> I feel like it's like when you're a kid and you get caught doing something you shouldn't be doing. So you lie to your parents about it. And then you just have to like keep lying about it to try and get yourself out of trouble. And before you know it, you've just like lied so much and you've dug yourself in this hole so deep. You just don't even know how to get out of it. I feel like that's what this kind of is. Like we've already recognized that you made a bad trade with Jonathan Neese. Let's just live with that and just be done with it at the end of the year. We don't need to try and fix this. There's no fixing. Like you don't need to flip Jonathan Neese into something to prove 
how great of a general manager you are. We get it. You're you're good. Don't. Oh no, you traded for Bastardo. No, no. Now we have him next year for six and a half million dollars. You lunatic. Oh, uh, just. <laughs> Do you think he just couldn't stand to look at him anymore? I. It must be that every time he sees Jonathan Nice, a little piece of him dies. That's the only reason. I guess I will say some cash came over in the deal from the Mets. So apparently Pittsburgh's not going to be on the hook for all of the balance of his contract this year and the $6.5 million next year. But I don't know. It better be a lot of cash. I was going to say, oh, that makes it so much better. <laughs> like a Scrooge McDuck money bin full of cash. <laughs> so that that trade had That's my... nothing, had, though. That trade had my dander up a little bit. I was already not happy about that. But now, then, so th- yeah. the next trade, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm I'm okay with this. This seems like a good Pittsburgh kind of trade. So there's a lot of ups and downs today. There's, the last one is the the magnum opus of bad. This trade. is this is the down. This one we're tolerable. Uh, the Pirates traded for Yankee starter Ivan Nova. Oh, that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay with this one. This. Yeah. This one did not set the blood pressure through the roof. Um. You know, I, I've I've said numerous times I'm a big fan of Nate Eovaldi, and I think Pittsburgh could do great things with him. And I wish that was the guy that they targeted, but instead the Pirates acquired uh, Ivan Nova from the Yankees for two player to be named, two players to be named later. I haven't seen, and I don't know if you guys have seen names attached to those no, yet. No, I have not. I haven't either. Yeah, so no names for the two players yet. Um, Nova is uh, he'll be a free agent after this year, number one. So it's kind of like the J.A. Happ trade. You know what I mean? Like you're getting you know, a handful of starts out of Nova. Down the stretch, you get a little bit of time to try and rehabilitate him. Um, he's having a terrible year in New York. Um, he's not striking anybody out. He has an ERA that's pushing five. Um, he's not walking a lot of guys, which is nice. But um, he's giving up a ridiculous amount of home runs. I feel like some of that will just have to naturally correct itself going from the American League East um, coming to pitch in PNC Park where the Pirates, the you know the remainder of the season, they have a lot of games against the Reds and the Brewers, which is nice. Um, so I think Nova's numbers can get better just based on that. Um, you know, you can go look at his XFIP and he's not as bad as he's been pitching in New York. So he's got some statistical... Um, corrections that should kind of manifest themselves, I would think. Um, the thing I really like about Nova, though, is his ground ball rate. He has a 54% ground ball rate this season, which, um, you know, if, if you know anything about Pittsburgh, it's they love those ground ball guys. Um, so I feel like he's going to fit well into Pittsburgh's rotation and into the the philosophy that they have with the the heavy ground ball pitchers um, I think you'll see his home run to fly ball rate drop precipitously because of the ballpark and just because of the way that Pittsburgh's pitching philosophies go. Now, again, this is probably like the Brandon Geyer of Pittsburgh trades. Like, it's not sexy. It's not. And, you know, the fact that Nova's only there for a year makes it really not that big of a deal. I mean, did this, like, set off anything for, for you guys when you saw it? Were you like, oh, yeah, great deal? Or what was your general reaction to it, Bob, when you saw that Nova went to, to Pittsburgh? Kind of a blase reaction, I thought. Yeah, right. He's, like you and Mary mentioned, he's been pitching, you know, better than what the numbers actually say or show you. I thought, you know, that might be a guy that they 
I can squeeze some value out in Pittsburgh. Let Uncle Ray do his magic. Yeah. Jason, thoughts? Same thing? Same thing. I'm surprised I didn't read the articles close enough that he's not going to be there past this year. I I thought this was like a uh, rotation supplement for for the future, but uh, and I yeah. mean it, it very well could be, um, you know, like maybe Pittsburgh likes what they see, and as we're going to be touching on in a few moments, they have thirteen million dollars free <laughs> to spend. You're that like seems holding back the lead this for the last oh, forty I just, minutes, just tearing up my insides. <laughs> I have to go take some tums after this because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much more I can take. Um, Ivan Nova, yeah, whatever, it's fine. Come on, right? Let's get to the cathartic part. All right, are you guys? I <laughs> hang on, I gotta, I gotta take another drink before we start diving into this thing here because it's just that kind of day. It's All right. almost, it's almost midnight, and he's just getting to Francisco Liriano. <laughs> this podcast is undoubtedly going to have to be a two-parter because, yeah, this this part alone is going to take another thirty minutes, guys. Some sorry, of us have to work tomorrow. Sorry that one of us has to work tomorrow, Jason. <laughs> yeah. All right, Francisco Liriano, the Pirates' darling, the the crown jewel in reclamation projects in Pittsburgh was traded today to the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, this in and of itself did not bother me. Again, I'm, I'm pretty good at looking even at like, as personally as I take the Pittsburgh pirates season, I can still look at the, the team pretty objectively. And I remember, you know, the turning point when they traded Nate McLeod and I took that so personally. And then I kind of, as the year progressed the next season, you know, they called up Andrew McCutcheon and I saw how things unfolded. And I kind of, that was the first time I really saw the, the broader vision that Neil Huntington had for the team. I really, that moment was the moment that I remember thinking about baseball much more objectively. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very, I would say dispassionate about looking at trades. This one though, just uh, guys, I every time like I'm looking at my computer screen with this stuff right now, I just want to punch the screen. Just, I just want to ram my fist right through it because it just like my face. I'm I'm all blotchy and red right now. I can just feel the the blood rushing to my head. So Francisco Liriano dealt to the Blue Jays. I get it. Like okay, he is having a terrible year this year. He has a track record of having bad seasons like this. Maybe you're looking at it and thinking to yourself. We can't get this guy turned around. We've spent, you know, over half a season trying to get him straightened out. We're going to be on the hook for this guy next year at $13 million plus another, you know, $4 million this year. This is our chance to unload him. Which, in my head, I'm thinking that's that's like an okay thing to do. So when I saw the news come across my phone at like 4.15 is the first time that I really saw this. So like I'm just got done changing a diaper. So I'm a little on edge to begin with because my kid's pooping everywhere and we're trying to get out of the doctor's office and he's crying a little bit. So I look at my phone and I see that Liriano has been traded. And I'm like, Oh, all right, we got some stuff back. We're dealing some, some, some big chips here. Like I look at Liriano and I think this is the perfect guy that another team would, you know, try and turn around themselves, pull up, 
you know, a Pittsburgh reclamation project on a Pittsburgh reclamation project, right? Next level. So, so I see this and I see we got Drew Hutchinson back. All right, Drew Hutchinson, you know, kind of former darling of the Blue Jays farm system who hasn't really panned out, like seems like a Pittsburgh kind of like Pittsburgh loves these guys. They love going after the Drew Hutchinson's of the world because they're cheap and they feel like they can turn them around. So at this point, okay, it's like you're coming to terms with it, it would be fair to say. It is, yeah. Because you're like, well, it's a salary dump, so obviously we're not going to get a great prospect back. Right, so we got Drew Hutchison. They got Francisco Liriano, and I figured we're probably going to pay, you know, like maybe $4 million, because that that would pay off the rest of this year, and then they're on the hook for next year, right? Mm-hmm. So the Blue Jays take the $13 million, and that's that. But So I keep refreshing Twitter, because I got to see what's going on in this deal, because no one's like got the final word on it. And then I see someone, I, I don't remember if it was Steven Nesbitt, someone tweeted out, Harold Ramirez is involved in this deal. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So now Harold Ramirez, like the, I don't know, he's a top 10 prospect in Pittsburgh's farm system, probably like five or six, depending on, you know, who you're looking at. That's, that's kind of a, st- all right. The price is getting a little steep here. I get that you don't have to pay any money for Francisco Liriano, but you just gave up like, you know, six years of control of Harold Ramirez, who, you know, he's not putting up like the greatest numbers, but he's a very projectable player. Um, you know, he's not hitting for tons of power, but he could, he's got the kind of frame, um, you know, where, you know, he could, he, you could see it. He's like five foot 10, 200 pounds. Like you could see him getting like really muscular and strong and just being able to hit line drives everywhere. Like you gave up this top 10, outfielder in your very strong farm system to try and unload the 13 million dollars that you don't want to pay so now like my blood pressure is you know this is where it's it's starting to get a little this is getting a little questionable like should i be driving a car right now because you just traded away a top 10 prospect along with francisco liriano to get drew hutchinson who you're assigning to indianapolis and now like twitter is kind of like blowing up and people are going crazy and people are tweeting like, oh, he's not the only prospect in this deal. And as this is unfolding, I'm thinking to myself, who else could they put in this deal? Like, it's it's got to be someone at the back end. You know, like, it's got to be maybe a player that's not even in their top, you know, 30 prospects. And I'm thinking, like, it's got to be like a, you know, like, it's got to be like a Barrett Barnes or like a, I don't know, like a, like some kind of player that's fallen out of favor. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be something like that. They're clearing the decks. And then the craziest tweet that I've ever read <laughs> comes across my screen. And I just like, I still don't really want to talk about it. It's making me so angry right now. I don't, I'm very sensitive right now about this trade. And then this tweet comes across that the other prospect that they're including in this deal is our top catching prospect, Reese McGuire. And I just couldn't believe it. I kept refreshing Twitter to be like, no, this can't be right. And it was right. So the Pirates packaged Francisco Liriano, Harold Ramirez, and Reese McGuire for Drew Hutchison, who is he is a reclamation project if there ever was one. He's a scrap heap pitcher. They assigned him to Indianapolis right away. He's not even 
major league ready, they're convinced. You traded away two top 10 prospects in your farm system so that you didn't have to pay for Francisco Liriano. The first thought that popped into my head, the first thing, and I told you guys this before we started recording, was the Aramis Ramirez trade back in 2003. And it, <laughs> I know it's not right because they're two, two entirely different circumstances, but that's the first thing that, like, as a Pirates fan, you have, like, flashbacks to terrible things that the franchise has done. <laughs> like, I, I have awful flashbacks to, like, draft picks that we've made <laughs> in the first round. And to like trades that we've made, like that—that's a trade that's t- the Ramos Ramirez trade. If you're a Pirates fan of a certain age, sticks with you. Like it'll stick with me until the day I die. <laughs> and I had flashbacks to that, where I'm like, no, this cannot be right. And it was. You know what it, you know what it reminds me of? Please share. This is turning into more of a therapy session at this point. <laughs> it reminds me of when the Diamondbacks traded Tuki Tucson. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, who right? they? That was with the. Uh, was that Bronson Arroyo? Yeah. Was that Tuki Tucson, Bronson Arroyo? Yeah. They traded Bronson Arroyo and Tuki Tucson to the Braves for Phil Goslin and relief from salary. Oh. It hurts so bad. And that was the one where afterwards, like, Dave Stewart was saying things that didn't make any sense. <laughs> like, he was. Instead of using, like,. Tuki Toussaint's like uh, future value minus his contractual control salary. He was like, well, we're paying him not very much. So actually we're saving a lot of money and just like really bizarre things where it was like, you don't understand how to run a baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> You're just saying words and sentences right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't think you quite get it. I mean, this is going to say everything. This is on uh, MLB Trade Rumors. I think it's written by Robert, nope, Charlie Charlie Wilmoth, who writes a lot of their articles. Ramirez's inclusion in the deal is surprising enough, but the inclusion of McGuire is downright strange. (laughs) (laughs) That's not good. Strange is a, uh, that's a very soft word to use for this trade. Well, it just, this is, what I'm saying is this is a national news outlet, essentially. Right, yeah. Like, when a national writer is saying, this is downright strange, basically what they're saying is, have you lost your mind? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, and the the interesting thing about this whole trade, like, Pirates Twitter is a pretty uh, a pretty schizophrenic thing. Like when so- when the Pirates front office does something, you're gonna get like the unreasonable yinzers that go on Twitter and just go crazy about it, and then you're gonna get like the more rational people that'll be like, no, 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 this is why it had to happen. <laughs> today, Neil Huntington, if he did anything today, he united <laughs> Pirates fans on Twitter today, <laughs> where pretty much everybody's like, what? has just happened what have you done you reverse traded our farm system you maniac what are you doing you did the opposite of what the yankees did so that you don't have to pay 17 million dollars like the pirates have spent the last six years turning this franchise around by acquiring talent 
acquiring young talent cheaply, you know, drafting smart, keeping your prospects and then bringing them up internally so that you don't have to spend tons of money. And now you're just dealing away two of those huge chips that you have in your top 10 prospects. Oh, I just, I, I can't, I can't fathom it. And I've tried, like I've unpacked this trade a lot of different ways. It's just, it's hard for me to accept that this was a good move on any level. I, oh, I don't know. Maybe Bob, one of you guys can talk me down from the ledge. I don't know. Bob, what was this a good trade on any level for anything? I don't think so. <laughs> being at the moment, but my first thought was when I saw the trade go through, I thought, wow, you just cleared the books of a lot of money. Where is that? Where are those resources going to be spent now? Well, that's the thing. Do you think you could play a McCutcheon long term? Is this your chance to somehow, and I don't know how how you do it, drug Scott Boris to get Garrett Cole to sign on for a long term extension? I mean, I, <laughs> like it boggles my mind. Like, what are you doing with that money now? Yeah, but the thing is, they didn't even free up that much money when you're talking about money that's spent in baseball. Thirteen million dollars next year. Like I said, that's gonna Ivan Nova's gonna be a free agent next year, and he's gonna probably command money that's close to that. But you figure also that like before this even happened, you were definitely not going to pick up the option for Jonathan Neese. <laughs> right. At 10 million. So to me, that's 10 million and 13. I'm looking at 23 million. Michael Morris would be off the books. That's eight and a half million. Uh, Natalia Felice, 3.9 off the books. I mean, you look at these one-year contracts, all of a sudden you have between probably 25, $30 million that you can now assign elsewhere. Yeah, just <laughs> something about it stinks. Like I can't, I I just can't picture Neil Huntington sit, sitting in yeah. his front office today, going, "Yeah, you know what? This is this is a good deal." This has to be the first domino of a bigger move coming, you know, next. I would if like not, to think. Then what I'd, the hell's going on? <laughs> I'd like to think there's an end game. But again, in my head, the con- the conspiracy part of me. Is thinking like, did ownership tell him that they needed to do something about this? Like, is Bob Nutting just sick and tired of spending money on Francisco Liriano and Jonathan Neese? And he's like, figure it out. Figure it out, but I'm tired of seeing them. Like, this does not... And I don't know know how you guys feel. Again, looking... I feel like you're probably (laughs) able to look at this in a, a much more objective fashion than me right now because it's driving me insane. But... Like, I can't look at this and think this feels like a Neil Huntington move because it just doesn't feel like the moves that he's made. Like, I don't Jason, does this feel like something that you think Neil Huntington over the last couple of years uh, is the same general manager that made this trade today? Like, it doesn't feel the same, does it? I feel like he got smoked. <laughs> it, 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 feels, <laughs> it feels like Mark Shapiro played him like he's played Jack Zrednick so many times. And that's not like that. Doesn't, not, that doesn't happen to him. <laughs> like, but no, no, it doesn't. But as I said before, it does happen. I think it happens to everyone. Like, what did I say? I said that Mark Shapiro himself has been Jack Zrednicked by Billy Bean. <laughs> It still burns me, okay? It still does. <laughs> but it's reality. Now, he got Jack Zrednick plenty of times. 
So I think he comes out on top. But it seems like he got smoked on this one. Yeah, this one. Like, and that's the thing. I know it makes you wonder, like, uh, was he under orders, essentially? Right. Like like you said, like, like was basically Bob Nutting throwing in the towel, right? And being like, listen, this team's not going to make the playoffs. And I don't want to pay this schmuck this much money. Get him out of here. Yeah, the and the only thing I'll say, and I saw it on Twitter. I think it was I think it was Stephen Nesbitt, uh, you know, was tweeting the the Neil Huntington press conference as they were <laughs> talking to him about this deal, and you know they asked him about what are you going to do with all this excess money that you have, and Neil Huntington's response to that was, "This team has increased payroll every year for the last couple seasons, so it sounds like." They're trying to free up this money, like you know, like you guys said, to do something specific with it next year. But I don't know. Well, Boy, that's better then. That's a tough one to take. Yeah. Oh, I mean, <laughs> like Neil Huntington had to have been thinking as this is happening. Oh, Yinzers are not going to like this. They're just, they're never going to forget this. Pittsburgh fans will never. This will be the Aramis Ramirez like. <laughs> It will haunt you like it haunted Kevin McClatchy. It it will follow you to your grave if you do not rectify what you have just done. Well, he but he got rid of Jonathan Neese. He did. <laughs> and, he, and he got Antonio Bistardo back, so that makes it better, right? <laughs> he did. Oh, I, I wish you guys could see. I'm just I'm so flushed right now. I feel like I'm probably breaking out into hives. Oh, it's just it's driving me insane. So that that was the Pirates trade deadline in a nutshell. Much different tone than the Indians trade deadline. <laughs> I just I just uh I don't know. So let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> who who's a, who are you going to run out there for the rest of the season? <laughs> <laughs> I think well and the the problem with the Pirates all year has not been uh, offensively. Uh, <laughs> it's been pitching. So when you're looking at the Pirates rotation, they've already talked about how the next couple of days are, are going to be playing out. Um, so when you look at the schedule, we have uh, Garrett Cole coming up tomorrow. And then I think they're going to go to Jeff Locke after that. Yes. Oh. Why Which, didn't you ship yeah. him out of town? Right, yeah. <laughs> That's of all the players that you could trade. Uh and then Vogelsong's going to start Thursday. Huh? The, the Pirates have already stated. <laughs> so then yeah, that's and then so then we have Jamison Talion. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. And then after that, Ivan Nova. So it's Oh yeah, that's right. It's sounding like for the immediate future we have Garrett Cole two pitchers that are probably not going to be very enjoyable to watch. Jameson Talion and then Yvonne Nova, uh, who will make for a curious start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, seriously, though, what does Jeff Locke have on Neil Huntington <laughs> that he's still in Pittsburgh? Oh, good Lord. Good Lord. Like, if you're Francisco Liriano, isn't that what you're wondering right now? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what the heck, guys? 
So this is what I had to do to get shipped out. What's that guy got to do? On my worst day, I could outpitch that guy. Oh. The trade deadline. Shaved, I'll be on my deathbed talking about the 2016 trade deadline. Like, ah, oh, took these last couple days away from me. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. The worst. I, well, I'm going to try and be a little more positive tomorrow when I wake up, but. That's... All I'm going to tell you is when the 2016 season ends in the middle of October with Chris Jimenez hugging Andrew Miller. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that's going to matter. Yeah. Uh, Birdman. What do you got perhaps, for me, Red? Perhaps uh, a little bit of hope, maybe. Chad Cool did pitch well today in his uh, loss to the Columbus Clippers. Yeah, I was watching. Uh, I was watching that game before I had to uh, go pull some more diaper duty. He looked good today. So hopefully he'll be up there to lock out lock here soon. Yeah. Yeah. Send him banished back to the bullpen. But, but Locke is like a, he's like a hydra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you can cut off one head and then like somebody like tweaks their toenail and he's right back in there. And like, Jeff Locke's back in the mix. You can't get rid of him. Oh. I will never forgive Jeff Locke. My father-in-law wanted to go to a Pirates game. He's like, I'll buy the tickets. You find the seats. He gave me a, you know, fairly generous amount to spend. That was against the the Reds, wasn't it, this game? Yeah. Yeah. Buy the tickets. I drive him down there. We're sitting there. I'm like, oh, yeah, by the way, Jeff Locke's pitching today. (laughs) He's like, is he good? And I was like, not exactly. (laughs) It was awful. Yeah, he proceeded to get whacked that game. That he was got, like Easter, wasn't it, or something? He got the definition of smoked. Um, I don't. It wasn't know. later on in the year. There was, no, there was, was some was... kind of holiday because I was at my family's house, getting some text messages from you about how unhappy you were. It was later than that because it was the year that he had a good half a year, and then this was when it started to really go bad. Yeah. It was like the first inning, and he was nibbling to Bronson Arroyo at the plate. <laughs> And the users were like, it's the pitcher. <laughs> oh, boy. It was not going well. Guys, this is this podcast has me feeling not so great about the Pirates. <laughs> not so great about the Pirates. <laughs> I might need to go on a hiatus after after this episode that we're going to have to split up into two episodes. Boy, oh, boy. That trade deadline was rough. I think it's time to put the trade deadline to bed. I think so, too. Oh, boy. Well, uh, that's going to wrap us up for today on a much uh, sour note than usual. <laughs> uh, boy, I wish I wish you guys had this stuff in front of you so some one of you could do the outro. Uh, that's going to wrap us up for today. Uh, keep your ear to the ground for our next podcast. If uh, you want to check us out on the web in the meantime, you can do so at www.tsmbaseball.com. You can email us, tristatebb at tsmbaseball.com. You can follow us on the Twitter at tristatebb. And you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Baseball. So for Jason Ruggiero, Bob Finkbeiner, this is Andy Burdick, and we look forward to talking to you soon.